Today we're going to learn Bechorot Daftalit. We're going to start at the mission at the bottom of Gimel Amabet. Kohanim v'leviim p'turim mikavachomer. Again, we're talking about Peter Chamor, the redemption of the firstborn donkey that you have to redeem with a set, and then you give the set to the Kohen. So it says here, the Kohanim and Leviim are p'turim for this mitzvah. How so? Mikavachomer. Im patruel she Yisrael b'midbar, for this, we need a little background. When the Jews were in the desert, so any Bechor was sanctified. Right? There, was sanct- there was sanctity given to all the, to the Bechorim. And then they re- they, what they had to do was, in the, in the beginning of in Shemot, okay, apropos Pesach, it says, Kadesh um, li kol Bechor that all the Bechorim were sanctified to God. And then it says in um, Bamidbar, Perek Gimel, Kach et ha-leviyim tachat kol Bechor b'bnei Yisrael. Ve'emat ha-leviyim tachat b'em tam, v'ayuli ha-leviyim ani Hashem. All of a sudden God says, take the Leviim in place of the Kohanim. And the assumption is that the Leviim, right, the assumption is that why this happened, the rabbis explain that because of Chet Egel and the Bechorim sinned, so they lost their chance. They were supposed to be sanctified to God to do the Avodah, to do the work in the Beit HaMikdash. And because they sinned at the Chet Egel, they were no longer allowed to do that. So now what happened? In the Midbar, what happened? Patru et shal Yisrael ba-Midbar. Now normally, what do, you, what do we do? This is why we do a Pidon Ben, because every um, firstborn is really sanctified to God, and we have to redeem it with money, because we can't really redeem it with a levy at this point. But in the time of the Midbar, what they did was, they took all the Leviim, okay, and then they redeemed, they said, okay, imagine, I think the easiest way to understand this is imagine, and this will help us for later in the death, imagine a, a long row of, there were 22,000, um, a very long row to imagine, 22,000 Leviim, and a long row of 22,273 um, Bechorim, and they swapped one for one. Now, obviously, you can hear from my numbers, it was a bit of a problem because there were 273 extra Bechorim um, that there wasn't a Levi to, re- to redeem. So they basically imagine they stood opposite each other and they said one for one, one for one. Okay, they're all redeemed. The 273 extra ones, what they do, so then there was a Hagrala, like a, a lottery, who was going to be the 273 leftovers, and they actually had to pay their way. Like we do with a pidyon abem, they had to pay um, five slain. So now, what does it have to do with us? So we say like this: a kohen and a levi must be patur from din of petarechem from a kavachomer. Im patru shal yisrael b'midbar dinu If they themselves were able to function to redeem the kohen, the bechorim, um, the eldest of all the, then obviously they should be. Right? They should be able to take care of their own, their own animals should be obviously exempt. Okay, it's a bit of a strange, well, Sean, the Gemara is going to say, what do you mean? Inu Patre, the Gemara starts out and says, what do you mean? They redeemed the, the donkeys of the Yisraelim? Adam Adam Patar. Each person redeemed another person. In other words, the Levim didn't redeem the animals. Okay, if you notice in that Pasuk, I didn't really focus on it, but it said, also, 
Okay, and we're going to assume that this refers to, we'll talk about this later, with the behemoda referring to the peter chamor. Also, any peter chamor that someone had to redeem, their firstborn donkey, they redeemed using the levims instead of saying, oh, we have to take a say instead. They just did again, and it's not so clear, but we'll talk about this later, one for one, let's just assume right now. Okay, every peter chamor, they said, oh, opposite, there's a say of the levi, fine, great. That said, the levi is in place of your petach chamor. You're done with the mitzvah petach chamor. You don't have to do it. You don't have to actually take a say in its place. So the, the Mishnah seemed to say because the petach chamors were redeemed, like the levim kind of took the place of the petach chamor, therefore they themselves obviously are in chayav in petach chamor. But the Gemara says, what do you mean? It wasn't that the levi redeemed the petach chamor. It was that the levi redeemed a bechor, that was Adam, Adam, Patar, and Behema, Behema, Patra, and the animals of the Levi redeemed the animals of the, of the Petar Chamor, of the firstborn donkey. Dichtiv, kach de levim tacha bechor, kol bechor b'mdei Yisrael, ve'et behemat levim tacha behemta. So, how can you explain this? We're going to have two answers. We're going to have Abai and Rafa. Amar Abai, hachi kamar, koanim levim pturim, they say very simply, if they're, and now we focus on the obvious, which is the animals were what redeemed. If their animals were capable of redeeming the animal, the Petr Chamor of the Levi in the desert, then shouldn't we assume, wouldn't it be obvious that they redeem that they themselves are not obligated in this mitzvah. So Amr le Rava, Rava says, what do you mean? Vaha patre inu katani. But the Mishnah, first of all, what you're saying doesn't match the Lashon of the Mishnah because you're changing it to the animals of the Livium redeemed. But the Mishnah says, im patru, which means the Livium themselves. Ve'od, im ita, and if you're really right about this kavachomer that you made, now, what did it say? It said, which sounds like it's talking about any animals. If it's talking about any animals, then what would we assume? There's two types. Okay, again, let's talk about it like this. There's three types of Bechorim. There's Bechor of a person. So that already was resolved in the beginning part of the Pasuk. There's Bechor of kosher animals. Any firstborn is sanctified and goes to the Kohen. And then there's the Bechor Peterechem, which is a non-kosher animal, uh, Peter Chamor, which is a non-kosher animal, and it's only a Chamor, nothing else. So this Pasuk sounds like all the Behemot, even a Bechor Behemotahora Nifteru. And if that's the case, then what will we assume? That a Levi doesn't have to re- bring his Bechor Behemot to the Kohen. And if that's the case, right, based on your logic, Abai, it would assume that even they'd be patur from Bechor Behemah Teorah, because this Pesach seems to be referring to any Behemot of the Levim. And Alam Atnam, why does it say in the Mishnah, which we'll get to on Daf Yugimel, Lo nifteru mi Bechor Behemah Teorah, ela mi pidyona benu peter chamur. The only patur they get, or two out of, they're patur from two out of three, but they're not patur from Bechor Behemah Teorah. So your logic, Abai, would lead us to think that the Kavachamur would apply even to Bechor Behemah Teorah. So therefore, Reva gives a different reason. So again, Abayi's reason was, how do we get this? If if their behemot 
were mafkia, the behemoth of Yisrael in the desert, then we should assume that their behemoth should be able to redeem their own behemoth, meaning they don't actually have to take anything in its stead. Again, it's taking something that happened at some historical event, this one-time thing where this worked, and learning from it to the future. And Rava had a few questions with it. So now Rava comes up with his own answer. Elam Rava hachi katani. Konim uleviyim pturin hen atzman. They're exempt from pidyon, they're animals. Mi kavachomer. Imifkiya kdushatan shel leviyim kdushat shel Yisrael bamidbar. Lo yafkiya et shel atzman. If they themselves were capable of redeeming the firstborn, now we're talking about people, really. If they themselves were capable of redeeming the firstborns, then wouldn't you assume that they'd be able to redeem themselves? Meaning, again, that they wouldn't need redemption. Except what's the problem here? We're referring to the animals, and this is talking about the people. So that's what the Gemara is going to say. Eshkachan Adam. That Kavachomer works about Adam. About the Pidyon Aben, that they wouldn't have to do a Pidyon on a Bechor of a Levi. But behemat mea minalam. But where do we get about a, about the chamor that they're patur? So it comes Rav and he says, Amakra, af pado tifteh bechor adam veet bechor behemat mea tifteh. What do you see in this pasuk? It compares bechor adam to bechor behemat mea. So therefore, what can one assume? Kol she yeshno bechor adam, yeshno bechor behemat mea. Vekol she eno bechor adam, eno bechor behemat mea. So since you can make this kavachomer about the Adam, because the Levim themselves were capable of redeeming the Bechorim, so obviously they don't need to redeem their own Bechorim, we don't need to do a, a din of Pidyon Aben by a Levi, then obviously this would apply also for their animals, for the Behemat Me'ah. And then Ravos works better than Abaye's in the sense that it's specifically that Pasuk compares, the Pasuk they learn it from, compares Bechor Adam to Bechor Behemat Me'ah. And only specifically this would apply then to Bechor Behemat Me'ah and not to the Bechor of a kosher animal. Now Rav Safra goes back to Abaye and questions Abaye and then he's going to question also Abaye and Rava, which explains why this is here and not after Abaye. Amr le Rav Safra Abaye. Your logic was their behemot, right? They didn't need to redeem their own behemot, right? They, and then since their behemot, their behemot worked to redeem the others, therefore, obviously, their own behemot weren't respond, weren't chayav in, uh, in Pidyon. And based on what happened in the desert, so now what does he say? So imagine again that line that we said, right? We're going to line up all the says, versus all the Petr Chamors, and we're going to assume each Seh, or actually, I say Seh, but that's because generally it's a Seh, it doesn't even say it has to be a Seh here, right? That's the Din of Petr Chamor, that we redeem it with a with a lamb, but let's just assume it was a Seh, even though it could have been any animal. Let's take that scenario. So if you're a Ben Levi, I'm now back in the words of the Gemara, Ben Levi de Havile Seh de Afka Lifka. So if you're a Ben Levi who has a Seh, to redeem for the Petar Chamor, so then your own animals obviously then wouldn't need redemption. But said, but if you didn't have Dised, Delifka, you didn't let's say you didn't have a lamb to redeem the donkey, right? You didn't put anyone in that row of says because you didn't have any. So Lolifka, then you yourself, if the whole logic was if you had since your animal could redeem someone else's, therefore you obviously don't need 
to do redemption on your own chamor. But if you didn't have a seh, then you wouldn't be exempted. So that, that would be a strange distinction to make. So if Safra says you have a problem about it. Additionally, whether we go by what you said or whether we go by what Rava said, which is it's based on each levy who was able to redeem uh, a coin in the Midbar. Well, not all the Levim were able to go into the lineup. Who couldn't go into the lineup? A levy that was less than a month old. So, ben chodesh da'afka lifka. But pachomi ben chodesh lo afka lo lifka. So now you're going to say, any levy who was under a month couldn't stand in that line to redeem another uh, uh, bechor, a firstborn. Therefore, he also wouldn't be allowed, right? He would still have his kedusha upon him. Sounds like only if you're capable, right? Both these kavachomers are, ba- are based on whether or not you could have actually, right? While you're in the desert, since you could have, therefore, but if you couldn't have while you were in the desert, because you didn't have a set, or you couldn't have because you weren't a month old. And additionally, we're going to have a third question. We're going to have even more, but right now the third question. Livia, what about a bat levi? Lotipka. Now, obviously, a bat levi wasn't able to be in that redeem a firstborn. It was only the male levim. So how do, then how could it possibly be? If you have the mother's a levi, then the son doesn't have to do pidyon abem. But why? She certainly, the whole logic was, since she could have done it herself, that's why, right? Since the levi was able to redeem the bechor in the time of the midbar, then at that moment, then that's why they're obviously not chayav themselves. But here, she certainly couldn't have done it then. So how do we... How do we let her? So they say, okay, fine. Let's stop for a minute with questions. This question we're going to answer easily. Halokasha. Kidamar Bereidu Rav Yosef, Mishmei Deraba. Da'amar, what did he say? Peterechem. Because the Pasuk says, Peterechem, the first out of the womb. Well, that's based on, we saw this at the end of the previous Masechet. The whole deen is based on coming out of the first out of the womb of the mother. And that's why we're going to base it on if the mother was a Batlevi. If she came from a Levi family, it's going to be Pator from Pidyon, regardless of what happened in the time of the desert and whether she was capable or not of redeeming at that point. Okay, fourth question of Rav Sefer. So the third one we answer, but we still have the other two, plus we're going to get to the fourth, and then we're going to have an answer that answers all the questions. Va'aharon... Now, was Aaron in that lineup of Levi? Right? Aaron was a Kohen, but he came from Shevet Levi. He wasn't one of those 22,000. He didn't personally redeem uh, uh, a firstborn. Lo Lifka, so what would we say? He should not, anyway, be able to redeem, right? In other words, Aaron himself, his Peter Chamor should be Chayav to be redeemed because he wasn't able to be in that line of Levi'im. How do we know he wasn't in the line of Levim? Titania lama nakura laharon shebechumash apkudim. In Sefer Bamidbar, where it says the word aharon in the pasuk, um, it's in Bamidbar Gimel Lamitet. Okay, let me just open it for a second. Um, here. It says at the end of that section, Ko pkudea levim asher pakab Moshev aharon al pi Hashem lemishpchotam. Remember, they counted the Levi'im. They got to 22,000. And there, on the top of the word Aharon, there's dots on every letter. 
And those dots, right, every time there's dots, they darshan it for something. It's to teach you that lo ayabo tominyan. Okay, that he wasn't in that, in that count. Okay, so there you would then have to exclude Aaron. So you'd have to exclude anyone that was under a month. You'd have to exclude um, the any Ben Levi who didn't have a say. And you have to exclude Aharon. And that we know not to be the case. So how does this make sense? So what does Abai answer? Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, Halavi, meaning in a whole section in Bamibar Paragimel, where it talks about this, and the counting, and the Levim, and how they replace the Bechorim. It says Halavim many times, with Hea Yediyah. What do we learn from this? Hukshu kola Levim that we make a comparison between all the Levim to each other, meaning even if you maybe were an exception, you were under a month, you were Aaron, you were, right, whatever it might be, we're going to just treat you all the same, okay? So if the basic Levi would be able, we'd say his, his Petar Hamor doesn't need to be redeemed, we'd say that that would be the case for all Levim. Now they say Kohanim Minalan. So we see this is a Petor specifically for Levim. How do we know Kohanim? This we've seen a few times. Kedar Rabbi Shoban Levi, Damar Rabbi Shoban Levi, Be'esrim Va'arba'am Ekomot, Nikru Kohanim Levi'im. There's a lot of places where the Kohanim are actually called Levi'im, because they did come from Shevet Levi. Be'ze'echad mehem, Va'akohanim Ha'levi'im B'nei Tzadok. Okay, it's a passage from Yechezkel. There we see that the Kohanim are called Ha'kohanim Ha'levi'im, the Kohanim who are Levi'im, and it's obviously talking about Kohanim. And there we see. Okay, now we have another question. That was all learned on this case of this one-time occurrence that happened in the desert. So they ask, how do we know that we can learn from here for future generations? Maybe the Kavachomer was only relevant at the time of the Midbar. That was the, right? that was the question that was begging to be asked all along. So what did they answer? Amakra, v'hayu li halivim, since it says there in Bamibar Gimel Mem Hey, it says, um, that was the passage we read before. What do we see from Vehayu? Meaning, they'll always be like they are right now. The way they are now is the way they'll be forever. Meaning, we're going to learn from this issue that right now they're pursuing from Pidyon because look, they redeemed someone else. Obviously, they themselves don't need to be redeemed, and their animals don't need to be redeemed. From here, we learn that it's going to apply even for future generations. Okay, now we have another question. Umimai de bese. How do you know? Right, this I mentioned earlier that we get back to this, which is how do you know? There it says take the behemah in place of their behemot. Now, how do you, we assume their behemot meant the petrochamor. How do we know that the redemption that they had to take was their seh, and not any animal? So, Amar of Chista, Neymar Kesef Lidorot. Okay, also, yeah, they had to redeem there with money, right? The 273 extras who couldn't be redeemed with the levy had to pay their way out. So now, Kesef, we know, it was said that ke, the uh, um, here in Bamibar Yuchet Tefav Tetzayin it says Ach Pado Tifteh Bechor Adam Upduyomi Ben Chodesh Tifteh Berkacha Kesef Chamesh Shkalim B'Shekel Hakodesh. There it says exactly how much you know that you have to use money to redeem a firstborn, and it also said in our in our pesukim that they had to use money to redeem. So Neamar Kesef Lidorot Vneamar Selidorot. Right. So now what do we know? When you do Pidyon for Adam, you use money. When you use you do the Pidyon of Petachamor, you use a set. 
That's the halacha that was said in the Torah for future generations. But now, ma kesef ha'amor l'dorot, bo padu l'dorot, bo padu tasha. The kesef was used not only in future generations, but it was also what they used at that given moment. Therefore, they're going to say, So it must be when it comes to the se, it's the same thing. Since that was what they used in the future, that must be what they used at the time, even though it doesn't specify in the pasuk. So now they say, why do you make that? Why is it necessary to say that? Maybe you could say the kesef is different. That's used in a bunch of other situations where we redeem. If I say I'm sanctifying something to the Beit HaMikdash, we redeem it with money. If I bring my Master Shani fruits to Jerusalem, I don't have to actually carry them. I can redeem them with money. That's something that's used in many cases. We don't have any other case where we redeem something using a lamb. So that's a unique halacha, and therefore maybe we can't learn it out from Kesef. So now they say, Ella, we can learn it from somewhere else. Amakra. We saw this pasuk already. What do you see here? They compare bechor adam to bechor behemat which is our donkey. Ma bechor adam Since when it comes to redeeming the adam, we have we didn't distinguish between future generations and this exact moment when they did it in the desert. Af Okay, and therefore it must be that they did it beset also. Okay, now we get back to something I said we get to later in the daf, which is Amar Rabbi Hanina. Se echad shabain levi patar kama Israel. Okay, now we're going to talk again about what happened in the desert at that moment. As I said, with the Levine, they lined up one against every Bechor, one Levi to one Bechor. But when it says the Behemot, it doesn't say, right, it says Behemata Levim Tachat Behemtam. So now Rabbi Hanina says it was one, one seh could redeem a number of petarechems. Okay, so you did, uh, petarechemors. You didn't need one-to-one ratio. You could have a whole bunch of petarechemors and you could redeem all that with one seh. So, right, so the line would look a little different. You'd have a line of a bunch of sehs and you'd have a line of many more petarechemors and for each one seh there'd be a number of of firstborn donkeys. Amr Abaye, what's his proof? Teda, shahare mana katuv odfim ba'adam velo mana odfim be'beima. When it came to the Adam, where they say, well, there were extra bechorim, that there weren't enough levies to go for the bechorim. But when it comes to the se, it doesn't say, oh, there weren't enough says to cover all the chamorim, all the donkeys that everybody had. And if you think about it, there were, well, it's a good question actually, because there were more people who had firstborn donkeys. On the other hand, it was only the firstborn donkey. Right? But you got to imagine they had more, there were more than that to how many says. The, it's actually a little difficult to know, but I think the assumption is that how it couldn't have been exact, right? That they definitely had enough. So now they say, wait, Mimai, how do you know this? Maybe they didn't have so many animals. Maybe there were more lambs the Levim had to Firstborn chamorim that all of the Jews had, so they say lo salkadatach can't possibly be why. They had so much mikneh, which means it must be they had a lot of chamorim and a lot of firstborn chamorim, and it couldn't be there were enough says to cover it. Therefore, it must be that it was one sebu pater a bunch of a bunch of donkeys. 
And they say, wait, Dilma filuhachi, but it could be pshutim de leviim havukaimu lebahade bechore Yisrael. Pshutim or non bechorim. So again, it could be the amount of, this is right, the deliberation, the amount of non bechor animals were more than the amount of, of firstborn animals. So it could still be that there was enough enough of the says to go around, even if it was a one-to-one ratio. So now they say, fine. So we couldn't prove anything from there. A bias proof of the fact that the Torah didn't mention any extras that were left over doesn't really prove anything because it's a numbers game, right? We don't really know whether the chances are, or it's almost probability, right? Whether the chances are there were more chamorim or less, we don't really know. So they now say, fine, we'll bring a different proof. Amarkra, Bamibar Gimel Memhe, that Pasuk we saw a few times already. And what does it sound like? Behemata Levim sounds like Behema Achat. Tachat Behemtam Behemot Harbe. Okay, now this is good if you don't know grammar. Kind of sounds like it works, right? Because one Behema, Behemat, Tachat Behemtam. Now Behemtam. A little tricky. It sounds like Rabim because it has the Mem at the end. So that's what they're going to say. It sounds like one Levi Bema. Well, many non Levi Bema. But then they say, Ve'ema Behema Rabah. Maybe Behemtam just means, um, sorry, maybe Behemat. Uh, behemat could mean many animals, right? It still could be a lot. So then they say, Im Ken Lichtov Kra, O Behemat Oh, behemtam, tachat behemtam. My behemat, tachat behemtam. Shmamina, chad pater tuva. Right, so now they say, um, so they say, right, it should have said, it should have used the same lashon if it wanted to say one for one on both sides. The fact that it changes from behemat to behemtam shows that one pater is many. Um, the Gemara said, right, the problem, right, maybe the Gemara doesn't say this, but there's a bit of a problem here with the whole pasuk because behemtam really means, grammatically it means the behema of theirs. It's singular behema, plural of who are the owners of the behema. So it doesn't really work, but in any case, this would answer that question too. Because this would then say, you should then say, behema tacha behema, or behemtam tacha behemtam, because also the Levim were plural people. So it should have said behemtam in both. So Amarava Afana Nami Tanina, but we see we see in the Mishnah and Daftet, and here's a better proof. Upodebo Paamim Harbe. Here it says that you can use one se to redeem many chamorim. So there you have it. So now they say, well, if a Mishnah says it, then why is Rabbi Chanina saying it? So Rabbi Chanina Tama Devanita Mefarish. He's coming to explain the meaning behind that Mishnah. And this is what he's saying. My time of podebo pamim harbe. Why do we allow you to redeem, take one set and redeem many donkeys for it? Mishum levi poter kama Israel. Because back then, in the time of the desert, when they did this one-time redemption, one set functioned to redeem many peter chamors, and that's and that's what Rabbi Chanina is coming to say. Okay, last issue for today. We're going to have a machlok at Rabbi Yochanan Rish Lakish. We're not going to finish this whole thing. Tomorrow we're going to see that there's a whole flipped nusach to this machloket. And with even with today, we're going to see there's different ways to understand this machloket. Itbar. Rabbi Yochanan Amar. Kidshu b'chorot b'midbar. 
Rish Lakish Amar, Lo Kadshu Bamidbar. The the firstborns that were born in the desert, were they sanctified or were they not? Okay, now we're going to have a big debate because on the one hand, we have the Pesach and Shemot, which says, Kadeshli Kol Bechor, right? That every Bechor will be sanctified. Then we also have that the Bechorim in the time of the desert right, were switched with the Kohen, with the Levim. The, the firstborns were switched for Levim. And we're going to see, we're going to try to reconcile a bunch of different Pesukim. So Rabbi Yochanan Amar, now we're going to explain this Machlob. Kadshu Bechorop Amidbar. Derachmana Amar Likadshu. The Torah said in that and therefore it must be that if God said they're all sanctified then it must be even in the desert they were sanctified and that seems the obvious if God said they're going to be sanctified what happened well when we have to switch them we have to redeem them right then we have this chiyuv to redeem them because they're inherently sanctified and even in the desert that was the case in other words, it was in the case starting from the commandment all throughout how do we know this? If you look in the Pasuk, the Psukim there in Shemot Yugimel, it says, What do you see, right? When you get to the land, and then it says, I'm going to read the whole Psukim, even though they're not written here. Meaning, this is something that's going to happen when you get to the land. Meaning, in the desert, they weren't sanctified. Michlal, from here you can infer, according to Rish Lakish, they weren't sanctified from the beginning. Okay? Meaning, in when they were in the desert. So, here comes the first question of Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish. So, again, Rish Lakish says they weren't sanctified in the desert. So, Rabbi Yochanan says to Rish Lakish, but wait, it says in Zvachim, in the Mishnah, before the Mishkan was put up in the desert, Hayu Bamot Mutarot. You were allowed to sacrifice anywhere you wanted. And who did the avoda? The bechorot did it before the mishkan. So what do you see? It's clear they were sanctified in the desert. So, Amalei, how does he answer him? Rishakish says, Rishakish says, I'm not saying the bechorim were never sanctified. Actually, in Yitziat Mitzrayim, they became sanctified. The ones that were saved by God, they, of course, were sanctified. They were saved by God. It's just anyone born in the time of the desert, they weren't Bechorim. They weren't sanctified, the firstborns. Rish Lakish just comes out of weird shita. In Yitzhak Mitzrayim, they were sanctified. Then they were commanded that when you get into the land, you're all going to be sanctified and you're going to have to redeem. So what do you see? But in the interim, in the time of the desert, they weren't. Hachinami Mistabra, and here comes, he brings a better proof for, his, for this. Who, what avoda are we doing before? Who was working the bechorim? The bechorim, obviously, it was the right. The mishka was mishka was put up the second year they were in the desert. So, if they were born in the desert, they obviously couldn't be doing the avoda. They were too young, right? A one-year-old certainly wasn't doing the avoda. So therefore, it must be, which Bechorim are we talking about? The ones that were in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. They were sanctified from Mitzrayim, and they were the ones that were doing the Avodah. So now they say, well, if that's the case, what kind of question was Rabbi Yochanan even asking? So they say, this is what he was asking. If you want to say that they were sanctified in, the, in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, 
and their sanctity continued. So then, um, sorry, if you want to say, meaning that even in the desert, whoever was born, the Bukharim were sanctified. Then the ones that were sanctified as Bukharim during Yitzhak Mitzrayim also continued to be sanctified. But but if you're going to say that in the desert, nobody who was born became Kadosh, wasn't sanctified, then, which is Rish Lakish Shita, and this is Rabbi Yochanan's question, then you should hold that anyone who had sanctity in Mitzrayim when they got to the desert and we were no longer sanctifying any of the Bechorim until they got into the land, then the Kedusha that was on all those firstborns from Yitzhak Mitzrayim should basically be removed. Okay, so now they say, Yidach, what did Rabbi Rish Lakish hold? The Kaddish Kadosh, the Lo Kadosh, Lo Kadosh. In other words, Rish Lakish says very simply, once you're sanctified, you're sanctified. So the fact that they were, the fact that, that, Basically, no Kedusha was going to happen to any firstborn in the desert. Doesn't mean that anyone who came out of Mitzrayim who was already sanctified is going to lose his sanctity. No, you don't lose sanctity. Okay, so that's a de- that's the debate between them. At least at this point of the the debate, that's how we're understanding it. That everyone agrees that when you get to the land, the Bechorim are going to be sanctified and they have to redeem themselves. Everyone agrees that the Bechorim that came out of Mitzrayim were sanctified. It's just a question of what happened in the t- and everyone agrees that in the desert no one was sanctified. It's just a question of does the sanctity continue? Um, actually, wait. According to Rabbi Yochanan, Kachuba, no. According to Rabbi Yochanan, in the desert they were sanctified. Even in the desert they were sanctified. This was something the kedusha was always for firstborns. And according to Rish Lakish, in the desert they weren't. However, right the they additionally debate what happened to the sanctity of the Kohanim, I'm sorry, the firstborns that were uh, in Mitzrayim, and you see at Mitzrayim, did their Kedusha get removed when the when they got into the desert or not? Another question on Rish Lakish, Eitivim. Oto ayom shukama mishkan, karvu lahem b'Yisrael, nidarim unidavot, chataot v'ashamot, bechorot u'masrot. So what do you see here? That they were doing bechorot, in the Midbar, which means the Bechorot of the Behemot were sanctified. And what did Rish Lakish say? Lo kachu Midbar. Right? They weren't only talking about people, they were talking about animals. So, hachanami ba'otan shi'atsumi Mitzrayim. Again, he says, which Bechorot were they bringing here? On the day shu hukama mishkan, any firstborns that were, that had come out of Egypt. Umina, so now the Rish Lakish says, and I'll even prove it from that source. What does it say? This perfectly proves it. Only on the day the Ukama Mishkan did they sacrifice the Bechorot because they took all the Bechorot that came out of Mitzrayim. But there were no new Bechorot after that, and therefore it's clear only that day, but not any future day. Now there's a different way of reading this whole back and forth. The Dafka Rish Lakish brought this brighter as a question on Rabbi Yochanan and said, "Oto ayom shukama mishkan kavulin leIsrael nedarim unedavot chatot vashamot bechorot umaschot." What do you learn from this? Oto ayom in mikam vaelachlo. So what do you see? Only on that day. So Rabbi Yochanan, how could you say that the bechorim were sanctified in the in the midbar? So what does Rabbi Yochanan say? Ema me oto ayom vaelach. 
He says, no. And all, on, and all throughout the desert, because all throughout the desert, the Bechorot were sanctified. So what's the Chidush then to say Because it's to say, right, either means from that day and not any future, or from that day and not before that day. Now, why wouldn't they have sacrificed Bechorot before? Because not before that. Alama alma. Therefore, chovot bebama lo kariv. This is to tell you. This came up in Zvachim also that you can't bring. It was in Zvachim we saw this that you can't bring in the bamot anything that was an obligatory oblig, uh, that was obligatory. You could bring voluntary offerings on the bamot, but you couldn't bring something that was obligatory. Now bechorot are obligatory. So therefore, remember, the bechor of a behemah tehorah, a kosher animal, goes to the coin, and the coin, as long as it's not a balmum, the coin has to sacrifice it. That's an obligation. Okay, another proof for Rabbi Yochanan Tashma. Nimtzet ataomer, bishloshama komot kadshu bechorot l'Yisrael. Okay, you can see that there were three places that it talks about kadusha bechorot l'Yisrael. Three times they were sanctified. Bimitzrayim, ubimidbar, ubiknisatam la'aretz. Okay, b'mitzrayim ma'omer. What's the proof? Kadesh li kol bechor. It says kadesh li kol bechor, and you see at mitzrayim. In Shmot Yugimel Bet, b'midbar hu omer ki li kol bechor b'bnei Yisrael. That was the section we. Uh, this is actually in b'midbar chet. It says that all the bechorim belong to me. B'knisatan la'aretz hu omer vayaki v'yacha. That was the pasuk we saw in Shmot Yugimel. A few pesukim later, after it says kadesh li kol bechor, then it says that when you get to the land. So what do you see here? It's mentioned three times in the one in the in the context of the desert, one in the context of Mitzrayim, and one in the context of when you get into the land. So what do you see here? It must be they were sanctified three times in Mitzrayim in the Midbar when they got into the land, which shows Rabbi Yochanan Shitad, even in the desert they were sanctified. This isn't a good proof because what is it? What is this? Here they were. Talking, they were spoken about this issue, okay, commanded, Hus Haru is a little warned, but it really means that they were taught about this issue, but they weren't actually sanctified at that moment. So then they say, Ubi Mitzrayim, Nami Lo Kadesh, what do you mean? They weren't sanctified in Mitzrayim when it says Kadesh Li Kobachor? They didn't all become sanctified. Hakam Rina and Kadosh, but it says that they were. Everyone knows that, so they say no. Hachi Kamar. Mehen kichu, mehen lo kichu. Some of the times they actually became sanctified, and some of the times God was just telling them about what's going to happen, about the future. So when it said Kadesh le in Mitzrayim, they were actually sanctified. But when it said it in the Midbar, Kili Kobachor, that meant when you get to the land, they're all going to belong to me. Okay, last question, Amish Lakish. Matkiflarav Papa, Uba Midbar lo kachu. Really, they weren't sanctified in the desert. Vahaktiv, Pikol Kobachor, Zachar, Levene Israel. It says count in that same paragimel pasuk mem the pasuk right before we talked about about lining them up right and trading them in it says count each bechor zachar lebnei israel which sounds like right they're talking about the ones that were born in the desert and meaning they were sanctified because they had to be redeemed ela itmar itmar this is what it means so now based on that question we have to reinterpret the entire machloket and it must be the rabbi yochanan amar kadshu velo pasku that they were nikdash when they counted them in the desert, they were, and lo paskulit kadesh from that moment, meaning they continued to be sanctified. kadshu, they did sanctify them at that moment, right before they redeemed them, 
upasku. But after that, they didn't do it. So in other words, at that moment in time, they did actually. There was a sanctification of them in the desert. But after that, they stopped. Okay, tomorrow we'll continue with the questions on this way of reading it.